Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will discover the mysteries of God's language, the Holy Tongue, Hebrew. God created many languages. In Genesis chapter 10, we read, From these the coastland peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. One of those languages was Aramaic. Aramaic is considered to be a special and unique language. Rabbi Moses Assyrilus said that Aramaic has a semi-holiness that dates to Mount Sinai. Jewish marriage contracts called ketubahs, special prayers such as the Kaddish, which is sanctification, and parts of the Bible and the oral Torah narrated in the Talmud were all written in Aramaic. But as beautiful and poetic as this language is, only Hebrew is called the Holy Tongue. The sages tell us that all languages are translations of reality, except for the Holy Tongue, which is the language of reality itself. What do the rabbis mean by this? Let's find out. We begin our discussion in Genesis. The sages tell us the word beginning in Hebrew is the reference to wisdom. We read in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens, which is in Hebrew, et hashamayim, and the earth, va'et ha'aretz. The Hebrew word et is comprised of two letters, aleph and tav, which are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The letter aleph symbolizes the one, unique, invisible God, and it represents the eternal, omnipotent creator, sovereign master, aluf in Hebrew, and the Lord of the universe, Adon Olam. The letter Aleph is comprised of three other Hebrew letters, Avav, an upper Yud, and a lower Yud. The numeric value of these three letters is 26, 6 plus 10 plus 10, which equals the four-letter divine name of God, the Tetragrammaton. The letter Aleph also represents air, Avir which creates wind, ruach, and speech. The letter Tav symbolizes divine perfection and stands for truth, emet. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, the emet, and the life. We previously learned that wisdom, chachma, is the beginning of all that exists. Understanding, bina in Hebrew, is considered the end of it. Wisdom represents the beginning of God's thought, and the completion or fulfillment of his thought is known as his understanding, binah. Therefore, if we return to Genesis chapter 1, we understand that in the beginning, God conceived in his thought the et, the aleph and the tav, the beginning through the end of all that he created. Therefore, wisdom is the source for all the laws of creation, and the Hebrew alphabet encapsulates it. Wisdom is also the tool of God's will, 
As we read in Proverbs chapter 3, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. And each Hebrew letter is a unique expression of God's wisdom. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Look unto Jesus, the author, the beginning, the aleph, and the finisher, the end, the tav, of our faith, who is both our salvation and our new creation in him. Yeshua declared in Revelation chapter 1, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In Greek, we view these words as signifying the beginning through the end of time. But in Hebrew, it would be equivalent to Yeshua saying, I am the Aleph and the Tav, meaning I am the all-encompassing one, the Et of all that exists. The sages further tell us the term beginning refers to the Torah, the Word of God. We know that Yeshua is the Word of God made flesh. He's both the wisdom and the beginning of creation, and He is the understanding through which all creation came into being. God's reference to creation is that Christ is the all-encompassing one. As we read in Proverbs chapter 8, it says, The Lord possessed me, who is Christ, at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. Now, after wisdom and understanding, all that remained in the creation was for God's thought to be put into action, called da'at. And what was this action? It was God's holy wind, the Holy Spirit, chiseling the Hebrew letters with his holy tongue and speaking into motion the whole of creation. It is written in the Mishnah, which is the Oral Torah. It says, I am God who speaks and creates the world, and the created always reflects the Creator. With this knowledge and all these images in mind, I want you to begin thinking of the Hebrew letters as the spiritual building blocks for the creation. The Hebrew alphabet consists of 22 letters that are all consonants. There are no vowels. Five of the letters are repeated for a total of 27. These repeated five letters are called finals and are used at the end of a word. The first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet, as we have already learned, are Aleph and Tav. At the center of the alphabet is the letter Mem, representing God's kingship or his Malchut. These 26 letters surrounding the king allude to God's holy name, which we learned has a numeric value of 26. The sages tell us the world was created with these 22 letters and with 10 numbers, 1 through 10. Each letter has a numerical value associated with one of the 10 digits, what we call divine science. These letters and their associated numerical values are the primal spiritual forces that are effectively the raw materials of creation. So figuratively, the ten numbers are believed to be associated with the ten emanations of God's light and his ten utterances of creation, God's speech. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says, So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness. We don't have time to discuss every Hebrew letter. Instead, we will be focusing on just several of them. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, again, is Aleph. As previously discussed, it is constructed of three other Hebrew letters, 
a diagonal vav, which separates an upper yud and a lower yud. The diagonal letter vav symbolizes the separation of the divine from the created that are now united by the numerical value of six. Paul said there is a spiritual realm and a natural, a physical one. The sages further articulate that each physical part of man has a spiritual parallel, and the soul fills our bodies. The spiritual and natural realms were separated at the fall of man. Six is the measure of man, and now the son of man, the second Adam, who is the Christ. In him we have become a new creation, where the spiritual and natural will coexist and be fully united, restoring the whole creation to the Garden of Eden. When we talk about spoken language, we are peering into one of many conduits that connect these two realms. We read in Genesis chapter 1 again, it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Here we see God's speech as his writing, his writing as his creation, and the will of God as his speech. It's a full circle, and all things are connected. In a spiritual sense, they're all connected to God's name, as in a sphere. The sages tell us the letters of God's name are fixed in what is called the sphere, the galgal. Thus, God's all-encompassing name is associated with the whole of creation. Similarly, the sphere of the sky is called galgal harakeach. We read in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. The Hebrew word for sphere has the same root as the verb to turn. The term is used to describe both living and inanimate objects, like wheels of silver and gold. In Ezekiel chapter 1, we read, Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, because there the Spirit went, and the wheels were lifted together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels, in the Galgalim. Here again we see a correlation in the Hebrew letters to the natural and spiritual realms. It is generally known that the number three, Gimel, and the number seven, Zayin, are unique. While it is understandable how 30 and 12 were used to define the monthly and annual calendar cycle, there is no observable astronomical or celestial event that correlates with the seven-day week. So what is unique about three and seven? We know that three represents the Trinity, but in Hebrew three, Gimel, reflects God's eternal beneficence, his kindness, his chesed. As we read in Psalm 89, it says, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. Gimel also means to grow, vayigamal, taken from the root gamol, which means to nourish until completely ripe. We read in Luke chapter 2, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. In Hebrew, seven, Zion or Zion, denotes the spiritual fullness purposed for creation. The world was created in six days, the number of mankind, but creation was not complete until the seventh day, a day that was set apart for humanity to connect with the one who created us. 
We read in Psalm chapter 76, it says, In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. And in Psalm 50, it says, For out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. So therefore, 1, 3, and 7 represent the oneness of God and the spiritual presence he has instilled in the creation. And we now begin to see that Hebrew is both a logical and mathematical language that correlates its letters and vocabulary on many physical and spiritual levels. When studying the Bible, most often we use the straight or literal, the direct meaning of Scripture. But if we dig more deeply, we also have allegoric, hidden, and symbolic meaning. We find these in both the associations and the numerology of the Hebrew letters. There is also the homiletic storytelling of the rabbis, which is called Midrash. And lastly, we have the secret mystical or the esoteric meaning given throughout inspiration or revelation of the Holy Spirit. So here's an example of allegoric and mystical revelation. We read in Genesis chapter 1 again, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit, the wind of God, was hovering over the face of the waters. The Hebrew words for without form and void are tohu and bohu. The standard translation in English is chaos. But the deeper understanding provided by Rashi, one of our sages, is tohu, which means astonishment and desolation. He says, for a person would be astonished and desolate at the emptiness in the world. He explains that the Hebrew word for wonder is tohe, and is the same root of the word tohu, which means astonishment. Therefore, the essence of the mystical experience in God's creation is awe and wonder. So in summary, Hebrew is a natural language that God used to create the natural world. And thus, Hebrew represents the basic structure of our created realm. And concealed within its letters, their combinations, their crowns, and their shapes are the laws of physics, metaphysics, music, psychology, ethics, mathematics, and so much more. These laws are said to be chiseled in stone. And therefore, the properties of physical space, meaning the laws of physics, parallel the Hebrew letters, the holy tongue. And the structure of the entire creation is based on these letters. Just like the periodic table of elements, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet provide the spiritual structure for the whole of the creation and are like spiritual tools in the hands of a living God. The Mishnah, which is the Oral Torah, tells us that God's spiritual tools, the Hebrew letters, are the foundation of all creation and are called the letters of foundation. They are also called stones. These stones are the foundation for all that exists and the foundation of the building that God is constructing. Just as stones are excavated from a mountain of stone, so are the Hebrew letters hewn and cut from the four-letter name of God. We read in Psalm 18, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The Mishnah uses the phrase engraved and hewed. Engraved means to chisel the letters on a tablet of stone and remove the surrounding matter. And hewed means to cut the letters out of a tablet of stone the way that rock is quarried from a mountain. 
Water is often used to cut stone. But let's talk about wind for a moment. Wind is a gaseous fluid, and it makes a sound when it brushes against a physical object. The cutting of wind into the various parts of each letter of the alphabet forms what we call speech. The Rambam said the sound, wind, and speech, in which the letters are engraved, hewn, and fixed, are called the Holy Wind, which we know as the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit came the Holy Letters and the Holy Tongue, the Hebrew language. We read in Psalm 33, it says, By the word, by the speech of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. So here is the understanding. Wind cutting letters in the form of speech is like one cutting building blocks from a mountain of stone. Sound, wind, and speech are all characteristics of the Holy Spirit. As we read in 2 Samuel chapter 23, it says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The Holy Spirit emanates from the highest spiritual realm of God. We read in Luke chapter 1, it says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. So these three, sound, wind, and speech, represent God's influence and inspiration. They are called the elements of both creation and prophecy. So therefore the sages declare that prophecy is a form of creation, and conversely the universe is but a poetic dream. So let us now dig more deeply into our discussion on living stones. All creatures are like houses, and houses are built from stones. Scripture compares people to stone. Yeshua is called both the rock of Israel and the chief cornerstone. So therefore the stones of a house represent its builder, who is Christ. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. While stones represent people, mountains represent kingdoms. The Holy Spirit is building His kingdom, His church, by engraving and hewing stones from the mountain of stone, who is Christ, the rock of Israel. We are the living stones that are carved from Christ, the living word, so that we not only bear His image, but are engraved and hewn from the same mountain of stone. Together in Christ, we become the mountain of His kingdom. And the Hebrew letters are both the natural and spiritual source for all creation. The rabbis tell us that the biblical reference to a man's home, his bait, means his wife. The Hebrew word hechal means palace or mansion, and has the same numerical value as Adonai, which translates as lord or master. Adonai is a name of God that refers to his kingship, his malchut. And here we see the correlation between the church, the temple of the living God, and the bride of Christ. They are the same. God's house, his mansion, is both his bride and his temple, who will reign with him as kings, melachim, and priests, kohanim, over all the nations. Yeshua said in John chapter 14, In my Father's house, in my bait, are many mansions, hechalim indicating there would be many lords, many kings in his house, in his kingdom. As we read in Revelation chapter 17, it says, For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. 
And in Ezekiel chapter 28, we read, You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. So therefore, stones of fire is a reference to angels. Yeshua said in Luke chapter 20, For we are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. And Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Psalm 104 we read, He makes the winds his messengers, fiery flames his servants. Here winds are plural, indicating that God's angels are emanations of the Holy Spirit, what the rabbis call wind from wind. Angels are also called fiery flames, as we read in Exodus chapter 24. It says, The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So now we see wind from wind and also fire from fire. In Hebrew, the word for angel is malach, which also means representative. Previously, we discussed how the rabbis compare the Hebrew letters to stones. In addition, they compare the Hebrew letters to angels. In the New Testament, the book of Matthew, we are first introduced to the term apostle. It means sent one or emissary. So like the angels, the church, who are God's apostles, are his representatives and his emissaries, his melachim, to preach and witness the gospel of Christ to the world. And notice the word for king and angel are the same in Hebrew. Melech and melachim. We read in Zechariah chapter 12, In the house of David, the church, shall be like God, Elohim, like the angel, the melech of the Lord before them. We, the church, are emanations of God's wind and fire, wind from wind and fire from fire, engraved and hewed from the same mountain of stone, the rock of Israel. We're now going to look more deeply into the primary elements of the creation. The Hebrew letters Aleph, Mem, and Shin stand for the fundamental elements of air, avir, water, maim, and fire, Aish. We read in Psalm 148, it says, Fire, hail, snow, and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. The Vilna Gaon, another one of our sages, said the three elements of speech, wind, sound, and articulated speech, are the actual source for the three essential elements of creation, which are wind, water, and fire. For example, the letters of the Torah are likened to the wind, water, and fire. As we read in Deuteronomy chapter 32, it says, Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. In Jeremiah chapter 23, we read, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord. And in Psalm 147, he says, He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. The rabbis teach us that water and fire are the cause of the heavens. In Genesis chapter 1 again we read, Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. The rabbinic interpretation here is to a division of the waters by a firmament of fire, meaning water from fire. And it is interesting that the Lord first destroyed the earth by water, the flood of Noah. But the next time the Lord has prophesied the earth will be judged by fire, 
just as we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The rabbis compare water to kindness, chesed, and fire to courage, gevurah. We previously spoke of wind from wind and fire from fire. But now in Genesis, we see fire from water, a firmament in the midst of the waters. The Rambam said fire from water means the strength of courage that is drawn from kindness. On the day of Pentecost, we read in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we read, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Here we see an emanation of God's Spirit coming in power to his disciples. And the manifestation of his power was tongues of fire. The disciples preached the gospel of salvation, which is God's kindness poured out on all humanity. Hence, fire from water, which is strength of courage drawn from kindness. In addition, there are three other aspects of creation. Time, the soul, and the physical world. These are assigned the numerical value of 3, 7, and 12. Thus, all nature is of uniform form and points to their single source, the one God and his oneness. There's only one dominion and nothing is independent of him. We are told that the Hebrew alphabet is fueled by the name of God, which is the inner life of all creatures. And the life of all the letters is the one name of God, the Tetragrammaton, which is God's holiest name. All nature is brought to life by the powers represented in these four letters of God, Yud, He, Vav, and He. The Hebrew letter Shin also stands for God's name, which is Shaddai. The letter Vav has a numerical value of six, as we already learned, representing both the six days of creation and the number of mankind. And the letter Yud, we know, has a numerical value of ten. Again, these total 26, the numerical value of the letter Aleph, Adonai, and Master, denoting the oneness of God with his creation. The letters Yud, He, and Vav are called the seals. We read in Revelation chapter 5, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. It is believed that the scroll pictured in the book of Revelation is the deed or the title to the creation. Christ is taking back what rightfully belongs to him. And God makes all created things his one name. So therefore, creation and speech are the result of the one name of God. And only Yeshua is worthy to open the names of God, the seals of God's four-letter name. The sages also tell us the four letters of God's name have twelve unique combinations. Six of the twelve are considered male and six are female. We read in Genesis chapter 1, it says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And who is us? Who is God including in this decision? Well, it's the Father speaking to the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeshua is the incarnate image of the Father and the anointed one of the Holy Spirit, the Messiah, the Mashiach. It is in his image we are made. As we read in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things 
were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. God's written name came to life in his creation. In Colossians chapter 1, we see that God's written name came to life in his creation, and Yeshua is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The sages also tell us that God looked into his written word and created the world. They say when God's ineffable word took physical form, heaven and earth became the clothing for the word of God, which infuses creation and without which creation would not continue to exist. So hence the word of God, his written name, Yahweh, yud became flesh. And joining male and female together as one, six plus six, fulfills the creation in the number twelve. Just as we read in Genesis chapter 2, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So therefore, the number 12 symbolizes the restoration of God's creation. This restoration began with the 12 tribes of Israel, the promise given to Abraham. And it culminates in the church and the new Jerusalem. As we read in Revelation chapter 21, also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. The Hebrew word for heart is lev and has a numerical value of thirty-two. These thirty-two paths were formulated in God's will, his crown, which is keter in Hebrew. From the heart of God flow thirty-two paths of wisdom that enter through the heart of man. We read in Proverbs chapter 2, it says, When wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. These paths of wisdom are considered the heart of creation, and these 32 paths are composed of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The Hebrew word for gate is sha'ar, which also means measure. In Romans chapter 12, we read, For God has dealt to each one a measure, a gate, or sha'ar, of faith. So therefore, gates equate to faith and wisdom. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 17, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Again, mountains represent kingdoms. Therefore, Yeshua was telling us that if we have a measure of divine wisdom regarding the kingdom of heaven, we will have the authority to unseat earthly kingdoms. As we read in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And how do we wrestle against these rulers and principalities? With our speech and our words, declaring God's wisdom regarding his kingdom. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. The name of God is called the inner part of the gates of letters that unifies all creation. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. He said in John chapter 10, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door, also translated as gate, of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. 
We've been learning about Hebrew, the holy tongue. And again, Hebrew is a natural and mathematical language that associates the spiritual realm with the natural one. It is a known and revealed language, and so therefore there is nothing hidden about it except for the deeper mysterious associations found in its letters and words. But what about the tongues of angels? We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So does the Spirit of God yet contain mysteries hidden in a tongue and language unknown to men? In other words, is there a spiritual language given to the angels? We read again 1 Corinthians chapter 14, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. And in Mark chapter 16, it says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. New tongues. Well, it appears that God has more to reveal to his children. And these mysteries come with divine power and authority that is scripturally associated with the casting out of demons, which are fallen angels. If we are going to command the angels, then logically we should speak to them in their language. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that we shall judge the angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? On the day of Pentecost, the miracle of the Holy Spirit came with the manifestation of human languages. As we read in Acts chapter 2, it says, And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? This demonstration was to communicate the gospel of salvation to men, which is God's grace. But to the fallen angels, we commit to a war of sound, wind, and speech. Only God, from the emanation of his Holy Spirit, can communicate these prayers. As it says in Romans chapter 8, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We can now begin to see why the sages tell us that all languages are translations of reality, except for the holy tongue, which is the language of reality itself. Hebrew is God's holy language that he used in the creation and is the foundation for all that exists. It emanates from his four-letter name, sustaining the creation and continuing to bring it into being out of nothingness and affirming his oneness with all created things. The language correlates the spiritual and natural realms and is infused with God's wisdom. And the Hebrew letters correspond with the church. We are living stones, the paths of God's wisdom that flows through his created beings. There is considerably more to learn about the Hebrew language and this teaching has only provided a glimpse into its more profound mysteries. And it's also apparent that we have another spiritual language to learn the tongues of angels. This language is to engage in prayer and to cast out demons. So I encourage each of us to study and learn the Hebrew language and even some Aramaic if possible. And I encourage each of us to seek the gift of tongues so that we might engage in the greater works that Yeshua is calling us to do. We the church are but empty vessels yet to be filled by his abiding imminence. And we are living stones of fire that collectively assembled are God's temple. Wind from wind, fire from fire, and fire from water.
Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.